Good evening and welcome to the Muller Time Podcast. I hope all of you are doing well. I'd like to first start off by thanking our Patreons. And if you do enjoy the show and want to support us, we are at patreon.com backslash Muller Time. So tonight is the Muller Report uh, Part 2. Uh, last week we covered Part 1, which was the uh, the Russia hack and the uh, conspiracy to defraud the American public. And uh, this week is Part 2. Uh, now, this part is about obstruction of justice. Uh, in other words, the really the obstruction into the first part, what we covered last week. So the first thing that I found interesting was, why did Mueller write this part in the first place, right? Because if you look at the mandate, in other words, the, the memo that appointed the special counsel, that was for part one. That was what he was supposed to investigate, right? The conspiracy against America and Russia's involvement in that conspiracy in the 2016 election. There's nothing in that memo about obstruction of justice. He chose to write an extra 250 pages, right, which I really think uh, pretty much says it all. Uh, so that's what tonight is about, about the obstruction of justice into what Mueller was trying to discover. Uh, so just to summarize it first, and again, one of the things I'm going to be getting into in uh, the upcoming months, not just on the podcast, but in some other ways, is how... I have some ideas on this, which I'll be getting to, is how to communicate to the American public, like like we're doing here right now, what's in the report. Uh, in general, that's kind of why I've been doing these past couple episodes. Now, most people listening to this show read the report, but as we talked about last week, not everybody can read 450 pages, right? So I have some ideas on that. Uh, but tonight is about, again, why did Mueller write an extra 200-something pages about obstruction of justice. So let me summarize it first in the Cliff's Notes. Part two of the Mueller report essentially is roughly 200-something pages of Donald Trump. Now, you got to remember, Trump Trump's heyday and kind of how he still pictures himself is basically like in the 80s, right? So like Donald Trump's peak in, in, his, in his mind's eye, of where he peaked as a human being was in a very like tacky, like white trash office screaming at someone into a rotary telephone, right? That's that's literally his ambition in life, what he wanted to be. So to let you guys know who weren't able to read the whole report, that's what part two is of the Mueller report, literally. While there's nothing funny about this, you know, again, like we always say, you do get a few laughs. Part two is Trump for 250 pages, screaming into a rotary telephone, or maybe it's a cell phone now. But it's funnier if it's a rotary phone, isn't it? At different people to please help him. That's all it is. And while Mueller will go on, uh, he'll go into different aspects of that. It always comes back to every 10 pages, Trump back on the phone. Uh, at times, I think maybe possibly crying. It was hard to tell. Mueller didn't say that, but there are some references to his mental state. It really seemed like the guy might have been crying. Just calling everyone he can think of, please, God, help me, okay? So as like last week, uh, I'm sorry, it really is kind of funny in a, you know, in a way. Um, so as of last week, I'm going to go through just the things that stuck out to me. These are just the Cliff's Notes, the things that I thought were interesting that I thought that that you should know about. So first off, and this is something that everyone knows already. This is referenced in part two. And I think no matter how many times we say this, we just have to keep saying it. 
the president, Donald Trump, the president of the United States, looked into a camera on the campaign trail and said, Russia, if you're listening, I hope you can find Hillary Clinton's 30,000 emails. Mueller specifically references that, okay? So I just think that can't be brought up enough, that that was the conspiracy in plain sight, okay? Secondly, Donald Trump, the, again, quote-unquote, president of the United States, had a joint defense agreement with Paul Manafort, his campaign manager, and Mike Flynn, the uh, the defense secretary of the United States. The president of the United States had a joint defense agreement <laughs> with two people. You, you sort of can't really make that up, can you? Uh, Donald Trump told Jeff Sessions to investigate Hillary Clinton. By the way, did I say Flynn was, I'm sorry, Flynn was the national security advisor. I knew that was kind of getting at me. Okay. Trump told Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, to investigate Hillary Clinton, his political opponent. If there's nothing else from this that sticks out, that, and again, tonight's not about what's happening now in the news, but that should bring cold chills down your back, and I hope it does. And he was serious. He wanted, as is very serious in the report, he wanted to put Hillary Clinton in jail, and Sessions, who, by the way, is totally insane, but he, even he knew that, that was crazy, and he wasn't the guy to do that, okay? So, and that was only the beginning, by the way. If he could have done it with her, there were there's other people on that list, and they're still on that list for him. Here's one of my favorites. Donald Trump, the again, the president, screamed, oh my God, this is the end of my presidency, I'm fucked, upon hearing that special counsel Robert Mueller had been appointed. I'll tell you what, I'll just be dining out on that one for probably the rest of the time. You really can't make that up. You know, nothing says innocent like screaming, oh my God, I'm fucked. There's a lot of innocent people who <laughs> who have that kind of behavior. Uh, here's a big one I think doesn't get around too much. So the gang of eight, which is the gang of eight is the essentially the most important people in Congress, right? It's the majority, the minority leaders, and the sort of the heads of the intelligence committees. They were briefed by James Comey that the Russia investigation was open and was looking into Donald Trump. Now, here's the key part. Richard Burr, the head of the intelligence committee on the Senate, went to the White House and fed that information directly to Trump, which, by the way, totally... I. Not totally understanding how he's not indictable and that kind of thing. Anyway, he fed that to Trump, who then went insane again, probably crying. And this was recorded by White House staff lawyer Annie Donaldson saying that he was losing his mind, okay? Now, the reason I brought that up was that Richard Burr has repeatedly somehow been able to have some kind of public image that he was sort of an honest broker, and he's not, okay? He's one of them. He's corrupt. It's too bad that more media organizations aren't covering that. It's really amazing, actually. Um, Trump repeatedly told White House lawyer Don McGahn to fire Mueller. I mean, that again comes up every 10 pages is him because when he couldn't get Sessions to do it, he was really going at it with McGahn. And McGahn, uh, by the way, McGahn is one of the main sources 
as you probably already know, in many articles that appeared between 2017 to now. Because McGahn, you know, McGahn, remember, McGahn is the lawyer for the White House. So he, he, he knew what was going on. And he, as much as possible, was trying to preserve his own job and his, you know, frankly, his freedom. So McGahn had various ways of getting around that. But basically every time he was like, I'm not, you know, we're not firing Mueller. Trump asked McGahn after McGahn was then in the middle of it, after McGahn had been interviewed by the special counsel, Trump came back over the top and asked McGahn why he told the special counsel that Trump wanted him fired. Okay. Now, another important fact is how did Trump know that Trump was getting information? Um, I, I guess this part I'd have to go ahead and look up, but anyway, Trump was finding out what was going on, I guess from maybe from one of those joint defense agreements and then going back and essentially trying to intimidate McGon. Uh, truly amazing. If that's not obstruction, I don't know what is. Uh, Trump took a phone call from a name that's redacted in the report, but I'm pretty sure is Roger Stone, which I'll get into a little later. And then Trump turned to Rick Gates, the deputy campaign manager, and said, more damaging information is coming. This was during the campaign, okay? Let me, let me repeat that. During the campaign, Trump took a phone call from a name that's blocked out for ongoing investigation, but I believe is Roger Stone, and told Rick Gates, damaging information is coming. And then there's more that's redacted, which I believe is WikiLeaks, okay? Now, there's a redacted word in the document that's pretty interesting in this paragraph, and I'm going to read this verbatim. On July 12, 2017, the special counsel's office redacted Trump Jr. related to the June 9th meeting. So let me read that again. On July 12, 2017, the special counsel's office blank Trump Jr., related to the June 9th meeting. What is that word? It's definitely just one word. You know, I was trying to figure it out. What, subpoenaed? I mean, I, I don't know. It wasn't indicted, I don't think, because the guy's still, he wasn't indicted. So that, that'd be interesting to know. Uh, Trump, in a very memorable interview with um, on, in the White House Garden with Fox News' uh, Ainsley, Ainsley Earhart, screamed about flipping, as you remember, for probably, I don't know, 20 minutes. Uh, and Mueller references that in the report. Uh, again, just just something that I don't think you'll ever, no matter how many times you see it, you'll never really be able to process it. The President of the United States, essentially a mobster, uh, screaming about flipping in an ill-fitting suit in front of uh, just this this Fox News, whatever she is, um, now throughout the Mueller report, uh, he references in part two that Trump was on or appeared to be on Michael Cohen's side until he found out he was a cooperator. And then, uh, essentially going back to obstruction, he proceeds to go off on Michael Cohen, uh, publicly, privately. But what stuck out was not the tweets from me, but that he repeatedly threatened Michael Cohen's family, including his father-in-law, uh, Right. Talk about obstruction and witness intimidation. He implied publicly that Michael Cohen's father-in-law was involved in a shady tax scam, uh, excuse me, taxi cab scam. Uh, so again, trying to stop Cohen from cooperating. Uh, Trump referenced Paul Manafort when he was arrested, said that they got him like Al Capone. You know, totally normal thing to say. 
And, you know, just a president referring to Al Capone. And again, obviously thinking about himself, totally thinking about himself, that Capone, who committed, you know, a litany of crimes, finally was taken down through tax crimes and through financial fraud, right? Uh, now, again, throughout the report, Trump, like I said, most of the 250 pages of part two is him crying to people on the phone, right? Because I guess he doesn't do any work, so there's a lot of phone time. And again, in his, I don't know, this is for some reason makes me laugh. I just keep thinking of him because I know how he sees himself, even though he's, what is he, like 79 or something? Like he he sees himself, though, in his mind's eye as as Michael Douglas from Wall Street, just the, the power player on the phone, right? So throughout the Mueller report, every 10 pages, he repeatedly calls the following people. James Comey, Dan Coates, Director of National Intelligence, Mike Rogers, by the way, the the head of the NSA. How crazy is that? Calling the guy, <laughs> the guy who's heard you probably on 50,000 50, wiretaps and Mike Pompeo. And he calls these people over and over again looking for help. And even Pompeo, well, Pompeo's an evil guy, but he's a smart guy. He was They were smart enough to put themselves at a distance there. Uh, in a New York Times story about Michael Cohn that upset Trump, Trump lashed out saying that the source for the story was, quote, a drunken, drugged up loser. Now, I don't know who the story was, the source was for that story, but what stuck out was, again, the the insane language used there. Uh, but also, I'm unfortunately have, I guess, a b- little bit better of a, an understanding of Trump's psyche than the public. And a lot of what he does, as you know, is projection. And I just, that stuck out in me. A drunken, drugged up loser, right? I mean, it really does sound like he's kind of, he's picturing himself subconsciously, right? Just a weird thing to say. Oh, this is one of my favorites. Trump told White House lawyer Don McGahn once, why are you taking notes, right? Like a totally normal thing to do, right? Just, right? Who, who else doesn't like uh, writing things down, taking notes? Where have you heard that before? Goodfellas, right? Remember that? Paulie tells Henry, never talk on the phone. You know, all that stuff. Never rat on your friends, right? Totally normal. So he he tells he sees McGon writing, or it's like that scene in The Wire. Remember when uh, in that very memorable scene when the guy <laughs> Stringer Bell asks that that guy who works for him, "Why are you taking notes?" And he's like, "Well, Rob's rules says you know we have to take notes because it was a meeting." And Stringer Bell grabs the pad away. It's just so classic, such great writing by David Simon, and says, "Are you taking notes on a criminal conspiracy? What the fuck is wrong with you?" Anyway, so Trump actually does that to the White House lawyer. And Don McGahn, and I got to give him credit here. This is kind of funny. He said, if he actually said it like this, he said, I'm taking notes because I'm a real lawyer. That's that's pretty punchy. I like that. And then Trump said, no, Roy Cohn was a real lawyer. So let me back up there. Again, the President of the United States is saying that his ideal lawyer, and I know you know this, but I think, again, that's why I started the show was just to preserve and again, repeat things that are insane. Donald Trump's vision of a lawyer is Roy Cohn, a career criminal huckster and fraudster uh, that was, you know, who was his buddy back in the day. Trump then goes on to say, and what has often been mocked as a type of, you know, a love story or love ode, where is my Roy Cohn, right? 
you can almost picture it on the front of one of those those romance novels, you know. <laughs> uh, Rudolph Giuliani, a guy who, again, I'm not totally sure why he's free and why he hasn't been implicated in all this for a lot of reasons. But Giuliani, uh, the personal lawyer of the president of the United States, uh, repeatedly interfered, basically, from what I could tell, and sometimes when they reference Giuliani, they sometimes they'll say Giuliani. In other points, it just says personal lawyer, but my, the way I saw it was that they were still talking about Giuliani, or Mueller was talking about Giuliani. He basically, he's interfering. He's calling people. They're people they think are going to flip, people who have already flipped, and they're at times, they're saying, we'll take care of you, other times a little more threatening, but it's definitely obvious that he's interfering, uh, especially there were some parts with with Manafort. Hey, you know, we got it covered uh, with Cone especially too. We, you know, he never says you'll get a pardon, but that's what's being implied. The Trump Tower meeting. This part I definitely didn't know. Natalia Veselnaskaya, the Russian lawyer slash, uh, you know, spy who was sent in there to get dirt on Trump, told them one of the things that she offered and said was that Hillary Clinton was receiving funds from illegal activity in Russia. That's sort of interesting. Now, remember, again, this part of obviously I'm just purely kind of speculating, but this was an intelligence operation, right, that was planned in advance. These people just didn't, they're not winging it, right? It's not an improv show. So Veselnitskaya goes in there, and one of the things she's offering, she's saying is that Hillary Clinton is receiving funds from illegal activities in Russia, right? Think about that for a sec. Who else do you, who do you know that's actually receiving funds from illegal activities in Russia? So Veselnitskaya chose to say that, I think, because whoever planned this operation and was working with her, they knew that that would appeal. Because looking back on the 2016 election, what was the whole tactic? Use your, say, and this is a this is a Russian thing too, throw at them what's true about you. So that wasn't an accident. And I'm sure they were salivating when they heard that, right? Great. This will take the heat off us because she has illegal activities in Russia. Trump repeatedly targeted during the investigation three people. And when I say targeted, I mean, not like threats necessarily, but people that he personally was trying to interfere in, okay? Interfere with. Paul Manafort, Mike Flynn, and one name that's redacted, but for a reason I'll get to later, is fairly obvious it's Roger Stone. So Manafort, Flynn, and Stone are the people that he viewed as the biggest threat to him. And he repeatedly tried to interfere once they had either been arrested or, uh, you know, lawyered up, as they say. Hope Hicks, uh, when questioned, excuse me, Hope Hicks said when it became clear that damaging emails about the Trump Tower meeting were going to the media and the media and the public were going to find out about the Trump Tower meeting, Hope Hicks was quoted as saying, they'll never get out. You know, it's a pretty ominous thing. I mean, when I read that, and she's, I guess, was able to skate, which is pretty crazy. I think she's actually out here in L.A. now working for Fox. Sounds about right. It will never get out, right? I think it's just something important to think about. You th- Some of these people who, they have this clean and polished appearance, but she's a crook, of course, 
like the rest of them. That's not something that a innocent person type of says, right? A innocent per, uh, person says. And by the way, of course, the emails did get out. Uh, this is just one of the, uh, this is the pure comic relief. Trump, in one of his efforts to get Mueller fired, uh, said he ran screaming or called Domagon crying on the phone. No, he wasn't crying, but I'm adding in some little flourishes here. He said that Mueller, I know you remember this one. He was conflicted because Mueller once was a member of one of his golf clubs and they had dispute over the fees, right? That's just one of my favorite ones in there. Now, one of the things that's much more true in uh, in part two than in the first part is that Mueller references Trump's tweets repeatedly, right? And everyone used to joke about that, how that was going to come back to him. And of course, he does. And one of them, just one of the most mental, just crazy tweets, quote, quotation here, crooked H destroyed phones with a hammer, comma, bleached emails, right? That's what we're dealing with. And he goes back to the tweets over and over again as just another, again, this is about obstruction of justice. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're talking about here. Uh, Trump and later Sarah Sanders said hundreds of FBI agents didn't like James Comey, right? Now, when Sanders was interviewed by the special counsel, as you already know, she had to admit that she lied about that. And of course, Trump was lying too. And James Comey, as you know, was not only liked, he was actually loved by people in the FBI. Extreme, whatever you think of James Comey, uh, that, that much is true. He's one of the most highly regarded directors of the FBI ever. Uh, and then this is really just one more. Uh, so <laughs> what, one thing that you notice when you're reading part two of, um, of the Mueller report is it's essentially, again, to sum up what I was saying at the beginning, it's Trump constantly trying to get on the phone with people who will help him. And what it becomes is, as you know, already know, it's a game of telephone. In other words, and again, I, I know, um, like I said, this is 250 pages and I, on this podcast tonight, I just wanted to, you know, briefly, not for too long, go through the things that stuck out to me. But in general, like I'm saying, Trump, uh, <laughs> it's a game of telephone. So what happens is Trump would, would give orders to people like Lewandowski or Don McGon, and they would then either not do it or in the in the game of telephone comic relief part, they would try to delegate it to some other flunky who then also wouldn't do it. Which sort of brings up again, I keep coming back to this is I again I on tonight's show and the next one, I've a little bit avoided talking about everything that's going on on the news because I really did want to focus on the report. But just ask yourself this with everything that's going on last week and this week, is this country is this country seeing it's, is this going to be it because of these people? I mean, the Mueller report could also be called, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's the biggest collection of morons you've ever seen. And we can't stop these people. The Democrats can't, I mean, you can't make this up. This is the part I'm talking about. Trump at one point calls Lewandowski, who doesn't even work there anymore. And he's, because he, he, he tells him to tell Sessions to fire Mueller. Right, so set. So Lewandowski doesn't want to call sessions, so he calls this other flunky named Rick Dearborn, and Rick Dearborn thinks on it for like a week, 
and he doesn't do it. So no one does anything, and then Trump's back on the phone again, you know, working the phone like it's boiler room. Um, so, you know, if I could just say one more thing, when you read it yourself, I just, I keep asking myself, why can't the leadership, the Democratic leadership, why is this an enemy that can't be defeated? I, I mean, Vladimir Putin, look, I get it. That guy is smart. Whatever you want to say about him, and he's a real bad dude who attacked us, but he's a pretty smart guy. These people, this, this, <laughs> it's just too much, right? We, we have to, we can do better. And we'll get into that next week. Uh, so the, yeah, next week we're going we're gonna to get into that. Uh, Mueller report, there's a part three, which goes into some of the decisions he made as well as uh, some summaries that I'm going to talk about next week. Uh, so anyway, that sums up tonight, which is part two, the obstruction of justice. Uh, I do want to thank everyone for listening. If you want to follow us, it's on Twitter at Muller Time Pod, Facebook, Muller Time Podcast, Instagram is Muller Time Podcast. My personal account is Eric LeVay. If you want to support us, it's on Patreon. Uh, anyone who wants to reach out, as always, with any thoughts, ideas, questions, whatever, uh, Muller Time Podcast at Gmail. As always, this is Muller Time, and I will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.